um, that we must be a church that leads people to be involved in our church in three ways. Worship, grow, and serve. And when I say that, what I mean is I do believe um, that if for a person to experience the life change that God wants them to experience, that they must worship, they must commit themselves to worshiping together as a church, to being with the body of Christ in worship, and also to worshiping individually, worshiping privately in their homes with their own families. Um, secondly, they must commit to grow, to grow in relationships, to build bonds, relationships, to, to feel that sense of community within the church, but then also to grow in the knowledge of the word. We've looked at those things over the past four weeks of how we need to worship together, how we must worship as individuals, how we must be in relationships, how we must commit to growing in the Word. Today, we're going to begin to look at that topic of service, how we must commit ourselves to serve in the body of Christ as we serve one another, and then also serving in the world. 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're going to get into that. But before we get there, let me just say this. I remember back when I was a teenager, I guess it was um, sometime in the 90s, the, the What Would Jesus Do bracelets became popular. Do you remember those? The WWJD bracelets and T-shirts. And the whole idea behind those was it was to be something that would remind you to stop, to look, look at the situation. You would see that bracelet, WWJD, and you would ask yourselves, what would Jesus do in this instance? It was a great idea. I think it was a good concept. Because anything that you can make you stop and think about what you ought to do and what the Lord would do, that's a good thing, right? But really and truly, the simplest way, the easiest way, the most basic way that we can do what Jesus would do, you want to know what that would be? Serve others. Serve others. I mean, in a world filled with people who are obsessed with gaining position and authority, Jesus had this to say in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. It, to a world full of people who are dying to be worshipped as stars, as worshipped as idols, to a world full of people who want an entourage around them who are at their beck and call, Jesus put on the towel. He washed feet, and He told His disciples this in John 13, 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus, the master servant, placed the towel around his waist, washed the feet of his disciples, and do you know what he did next? He handed that towel to us and commanded us to be servants. This morning, I want us to consider that path of servanthood that Christ has called us to. And in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul is giving instructions to the church at Corinth. You might remember that in the book of Acts, the, the gospel is there in Jerusalem, and the church in Jerusalem is beginning, and then per persecution arises, and the gospel begins to spread throughout the region. It begins to work its way through the Roman Empire. And churches begin to pop up in different places. One of those places was the city of Corinth. And Paul writes some instructions to them, and he gives us some keys here that I believe are important for us to remember of how we are to function as a church. And a big part of that has to do with service. And so this morning, first point I want to make to you is this, is that when it comes to service, we must first of all serve with your head. 
Serve with your head. Servanthood begins with a mindset. It begins with a proper understanding of who the body of Christ is, of who the church is. A couple weeks ago, we talked about fellowship, and, and we talked about how in Scripture we see this picture that we as a church are brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a family relationship. We're not just attenders of a, of, a, of a church. We are brothers and sisters. We are bonded together. I remember back when I was a kid, um, I, my family attended Ellendale Baptist Church um, as a child. And uh, I know some of you went to Ellendale Baptist Church, and you remember what I'm saying. At the end of every single service at Ellendale Baptist Church, we would stand, we would reach across the aisle, and we would hold hands. You remember that, Larry and Carol? And we would sing, we would sing a song together. Uh, we would sing, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And there was a sense in that moment in which you felt family. I know the Jonikins were there. You remember that too, don't you? And you felt like you were connected, like you were bonded. There was a relationship there. There was a mindset. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives a similar analogy to that family, but in this case, he tells us that the church is a body. In verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he says this, For just as the body is one... And has many members. And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but as many. And so as Christians who are gathered here together in the same church, as part of the same family of God... We are one body, just as my hands and my feet and my eyes and my ears have been placed into one physical body here for me, physically, by the Lord. You know, when we think about our physical bodies, each part has a part to play, right? I mean, there, there is a uniqueness to every single thing that God has, has placed in our bodies. Our hearts have a role. Our hands have a role, our lungs have a role, our feet have a role, and every part is necessary, right? Every part is unique, every part is important, every part is needed except for maybe your appendix, I guess is about the only thing that we, that we seem to think doesn't really have a need, right? Well, in church, it's much the same way. The Lord has placed us together as a body, and we come together as people who are completely different from one another, right? Right? Paul talks about here in 1 Corinthians 12 that we are baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free. He's giving the extremes of society there. He's saying that all these different people were brought together as one body. And here we are today, sitting in a room with people who were different. Different backgrounds, different financial history, different economic backgrounds, different skills, different cultures, different skin colors, different ages. But what brings us all together? A love for Jesus Christ. That we are one in the family of God. And this is why I say we must begin by serving with our heads. Is, is, is this, Because we have to think like a body. We have to see ourselves as part of a body. As belonging to the body of Christ and the body of Christ here at Fisherville. And that mindset will change then how we see each other. It will change then how we act toward each other. For instance, a couple different ways I think of. When we understand that we are one body, A, we are grateful for our differences. We are grateful for the fact that we are different. In our physical bodies, every part has a part to play, right? Our hands are different from our feet. They do different things. Our feet are different from our eyes. Our eyes are different from our ears. And I don't expect 
my feet to do what my lungs do, right? I don't expect my ears to do what my eyes do. Every single part has a role, you know? And I don't look down on my feet because they can't hear. That's not what they're made to do. I appreciate every part of my body because God placed it there and made it differently, each to fulfill a specific, particular purpose. The Lord has made us all different. And He brought us together as a body. And when we look at each other like a body, we appreciate those differences. We realize those differences make us greater. Those differences meet needs. Look down in verse 18, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Paul writes, But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so when our head is in the right place when it comes to servanthood, we look across the room, we look across the church, and we see the differences, and we say that's a wonderful thing, that's a good thing, because the Lord brought us together as different people who become one body, and that makes us stronger. And when we see those differences as a blessing, it leads us to minister. But sometimes in the life of a church, we can look across the room and we see differences, and it doesn't lead us to love. It doesn't lead us to ministry. It leads us to separation. And when that happens, when our heads are not in the right place, we don't move to servants. We move to selfishness. Church becomes about us. We see those things as problems. We must see the differences as a blessing. B, second thing, when we, when we understand the one body concept, we begin to care for one another. We begin to see the need to care for one another because we're part of one body. I mean, imagine if I woke up this morning, and let's imagine that my eyes looked down at my feet, and I noticed a sore on my feet, like a bad infected sore. And what if my eyes then communicated to my brain, oh, no big deal, at least the sore is not on my eyes. That wouldn't happen, right? You know, my, if, if my eyes see that there's something wrong with my feet, it would communicate to my brain, you might want to go get that checked out. That's what Paul writes in verse 26, 1 Corinthians 12, 26. He says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. When our heads are focused on serving the body, we care for one another. We see the difficulties, we see the needs, and in love we want to respond. We want to do something about it. That's what we saw over in Acts chapter 2 when we've been looking at that passage over the past several weeks and how they were bonded together. And in Acts 2.44, it says, All those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Their minds understood their connection to one another. They understood... The, 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 their bond, and, and then because they understood it, their hands and feet moved to action. They began to do something about it. Now, when you don't see the church as a body, when you look instead of, of, of a church as something you simply attend, you don't tend to have a want to serve one another. When church becomes something you simply attend, well, then it becomes all about you. And it becomes all about your wants and your desires and having your needs met. And there's very little desire to sacrifice and to give of yourself. But when you see it as a body, you begin to say, I must care for one another because we are all part of the same body. Second point, 
Number two, how do, we lead, how do we live a life of service? We serve with our hands. We serve with our head. Secondly, we serve with our hands. And what I mean by that is that we act. We do something. We move from the idea of, hey, I understand that we're family. I guess I should do something to actually doing something. Look in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And so Paul points out, once again, we're all part of the same body, and then he immediately begins to talk about roles and gifts. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. And here was his point. For the body to function... Every part must do its part. That for the body of Christ, for the church to function the way the Lord wants it to function, every part has to do its part. There is no appendix in the body of Jesus. There is no unnecessary parts. We must all commit ourselves to serving the church, to serving one another. Now when I say that we must all commit ourselves to serve the church, someone in here probably thinks to yourself, well, well, Jeff, you're just trying to recruit workers. You're just trying to get people to do stuff for the church so you can keep the organization running. And that's not what I mean. I've talked to people who before who work in corporate America, and I've had people tell me that sometimes in corporate America you can feel like a cog in a machine. And you're working and you're working, and then something happens to you, and they just take the cog out, they put another cog in, and then they just start the machine back over, and it's like they don't even care that you're gone. When it comes to serving in the church, the point is not that we work for an institution called the church. It's that we serve a body who is the church, that we're ministering to one another, that we're caring for people who make up the church. Look in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Go back to verse 7. He says, to each, to each person in the church, to each person in the body, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, the Spirit of God has gifted us for the good of one another. We are here for the good of one another. He's placed us here to bless one another, to care for one another. Now, now where do we begin? How do you know where your place of service is in the church? Let me give you some, some quick pointers here. Number one, A, you got to consider your spiritual giftedness. That when it comes to serving in the church, we ought to know what our, what our spiritual giftedness is so that we can serve within that spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know, at the moment of salvation, at the very moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within you. It's not a later thing. It's not a second baptism. The Spirit of God comes to dwell within you, and when He comes, He comes bearing gifts. And he comes bringing to you and giving to you spiritual gifts. Now, what are the spiritual gifts? There, there's multiple lists that you can find in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. It's things like proclamation, teaching, encouragement, serving, administration, giving, mercy. Those are things that the Spirit has indwelled in you, an ability, a gift to serve in the body of Christ. And here's the great thing. We're all given a gift. That there's no such thing as a, as a believer who has, been, who has received the Holy Spirit, who did not receive a spiritual gift. Every one of us has, is spiritually gifted. Secondly, I would say this, we don't all receive the same gift. It's not that every single believer in the room is going to have the gift of administration 
or the gift of exhortation or the gift of, of, of mercy. Or we're all unique in the way that we're gifted. And God develops those gifts over time. That as we grow in our faith, our spiritual giftedness grows. And sometimes the Lord will give us new spiritual gifts as we go through time. And also I would say this, that just because you're not given a spiritual gift doesn't give you a permission not to do something. There are those who receive the gift of the evangelist. Some of you have met those individuals who the Lord has just given them, given them a, a special ability to proclaim the gospel and people are saved. Well, if you don't receive the gift of the evangelist, that doesn't mean you don't have to evangelize. Just because you don't have the gift of giving or the gift of mercy doesn't mean that you don't have to give. doesn't mean that you don't have to show mercy. But there are certain individuals that God gives you that gift. And many of you in this room already know what your spiritual gift is. You've learned it. You've experienced it. You've, you've found it out through prayer. You've found it out through experience. Some of you, this is all new to you. And so how do you discover your spiritual gift? You pray. You read the Word of God. You ask godly believers around you, hey, do you see a, a spiritual giftedness within me? Do you see something that God has placed in my heart? When I was younger, I had someone who did that to me, who was able to speak truth into my life and tell me things that I didn't even realize about myself. And I've had the privilege of doing that with other people, of looking at a teenager and saying, I believe God's gifted you with this. And it was things that they didn't even see in themselves. Sometimes we learn our spiritual giftedness through trial and error. I've had individuals come to me and say, you know what, I think God's given me the this, this spiritual gift of teaching. And they tried to teach a class and they quickly realized they did not have the spiritual gift of teaching. And in some, that's the way they discover it. And so we need to know what our spiritual gift is. Paul writes there, don't be uninformed. You ought to want to know how God has gifted you. But it doesn't end there. B, you, must, you need to consider your talents and abilities. How has God created you? How did he make you unique? You remember how we talked about a minute ago that every one of us in the body of Christ is different. Well, God has created you with gifts and abilities and talents, with a personality, and he wants you to use that for his service. Some are gifted at singing. Some are wonderful with working with teenagers. Some love working with rocking babies. Some people are great at building things, at fixing things, at doing administrative work. Some have an eye for photography. Some are, are good at meeting people and greeting people and helping people feel like they're welcomed. We all have those abilities, and God wants us to use those things in His service. See, I would say this, consider your experience. Consider the things that you've gone through. No, no two people in this room have lived the exact same life. Even if you're siblings, you've still gone through different things. Different highs, different lows, different goods, different bads. And the Lord can use those experiences from your life in order to minister to someone else. I've lost track of the number of times in my ministry where God has placed me in someone's life at a specific season in order for me to minister to them because of something that I went through when I was younger. And people have done that for me where I've been in seasons of life and I needed someone's experience to lead me spiritually because they walked through something and they were able to give me advice. God doesn't waste our experience. He wants us to use that to minister to others. And then lastly, on this point, I would say consider your heart. And when I say that, this is what I mean. What sets your heart on fire? What breaks your heart? What excites you? I believe God has placed that heart, that desire within you for the sake of serving Him. 
For some here, what sets your heart on fire is the mission field, going on mission trips, taking the gospel to to places where it hasn't gone before. For some, it's meeting the needs of homeless people. For some, it's caring for underprivileged kids. For some, it's fighting against abortion. For some, it's caring for widows and shut-ins. For some, it's prayer. For some, it's evangelism. For some, it's worship. There are, we, we all have that thing that just gets us excited for the Lord. Or that thing that really just breaks our heart and makes us say, why, God, is this going on in this world? Now, all those things I just mentioned, we ought to all care about, but we can't all be deeply involved in all those things, can we? Because we're just one person and I just have one day at a time to live and I can't do everything but the Lord has, has put a passion on my heart he's put passions on your heart and we ought to want to serve the Lord in those passions to serve the Lord with that heart and so when we consider how we're spiritually gifted when we consider how we are, are created and what our talents and abilities are when we can think about our experience and what our heart is in the middle of that I believe is the, is the place of our perfect service In the middle of that is where I believe God has created us and and made us to fit in the life of the church. And so we need to serve with our hands. And lastly, I'll say this. We ought to serve with our heart. You may hear that list I just shared a minute ago about spiritual gifts and talents and all that and think that's just really complicated. But let me not overcomplicate things. Let me keep us from overthinking this. I mean, because really and truly, the simplest way to begin to serve in the body of Christ, is to look around and do what the love of Christ would lead you to do. It's really that simple. It really is that simple. John 13, 34, Jesus commanded us, He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And so we are to love others the way Christ loved us. And in 1 Corinthians 13, look over there, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all, all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. I think what Paul's trying to say is this. I can figure out my spiritual giftedness. I can know my talents and abilities. I can find out ways to use my experience. But if I do it without love, if I do it in my own power and in my own ability for my own recognition and not for the love of Christ, I'm just like a clanging cymbal. Like a clanging cymbal. Now let me just say, there's nothing wrong with cymbals. You know, in the right place at the right time, a symbol, it might be exactly what a song needs. But at the wrong place and at the wrong time, it becomes a distraction. It becomes a noise. I can remember back in my, my band days when I was in college, uh, we used to play a lot of marches by John Philip Sousa. Um, Stars and Stripes Forever, Washington Post, all those military marches. You know, if, if you've heard those songs... Um, and in every one of those songs, there was always this one particular place where the cymbal player was supposed to, you know, real loud. And, and the director would be up there conducting, and he would point, you know, and, and if, it, if he did it on the right time, everything was good. But if it was at the wrong time, everything went haywire. I can remember when I was in college, Dr. Sidney McKay was our band director at the University of Memphis, and he 
he developed a knack for throwing a baton at a cymbal player. And he could hit them almost right in the head every time. Because he would, he would, he would point, and if they didn't do it, whoosh, he would sling that thing, and it would fly over heads and whack somebody in the face or in the chest or something like that. Because that symbol in that moment was not pleasant. It was not good. It was not adding to it. It became noise. We can do a lot of things in the church that look like ministry, look like service. But it's all noise if we're not motivated by the love of Christ. It's all noise if we're not doing it for the sake of the Lord. If we're doing things to be noticed, if we're doing things just simply out of obligation, if we're not motivated by the love of Christ, it's just noise. But when we love, we truly care for others. We truly serve one another. We truly hurt when they hurt. We truly weep when they weep. We genuinely pray for others encourage one another. And just to make sure you know that this whole idea of serving in the church is not complicated, let me just also say this. Serving in love doesn't require any experience. doesn't require any skill. doesn't require any training. doesn't require any money or talents or certification. It just requires love. It just requires doing what the Lord has done for you, looking at others and in love serving those people, in love meeting their needs, in love caring for one another. And so when you think about service, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to do it, let me just say this. Look around and do what Jesus would do. Would you pray with me? Father God, You've given us a church. <laughs> You've placed us here together as a body. You've called us to serve one another in love, to care for one another, to meet each other's needs, to encourage one another. And Father, I've, I've grown to realize that I need to serve as much as the person I'm serving needs me to care for them. That it's as much an encouragement for me and a blessing for me to pour myself out and to give myself to others in love. Because in that moment, I'm imitating you. I'm imitating your son. And so, Father, I pray for every believer in this room that you would help us to find how we can serve the body. How we can move from just being attenders of a church to being genuinely members of the body who serve one another, who care for one another, who love one another as Christ has loved us. Father, if there's someone who needs to make a decision today as we come to this time of invitation, maybe they've been attending church for years and they don't really feel like they've ever genuinely been a part of the church. And maybe they need to spend some time praying at their seat and just confessing that there needs to be a change in their life. I pray that you would bring that about in a person's heart if that's what they need. If there's someone here today who wants to join our church, they realize this is home for them and they want to be a part of this body. Or if there's someone here today who needs Christ for salvation and they realize that they're lost and that He's the only way to salvation. <laughs> Father, whatever that decision might be, if there's someone who needs to make it, I pray you would encourage them to step out and to come forward at this time. And it's in Christ's name we do pray these things. Why don't you stand as we sing this song invitation?